On this episode of The Fieldhouse Files, you'll get to know more about the newest pacer, Karis LeVert, from someone who has covered him and been around him since he entered the league in 2016. And welcome into The Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Hi again, everybody. I'm Scott Agnes, and I appreciate you making this episode, this podcast, a part of your day. Well, it's been a busy last couple of weeks for the Pacers, for the front office, and for Karis LeVert. Just imagine his range of emotions, full well knowing that he could be traded. He said when talking to us this week that he had been told by general manager Sean Marks of Brooklyn that there was a possibility he could get moved. And knowing that James Harden was on the trade block and Brooklyn was a top Harden's wish list, yeah, Levert's a smart kid. He knows that that was a possibility. Well, not only did that deal get done, but then they found a small mass on his left kidney while undergoing a physical, and what a blessing that is. I talked a lot about that on our last podcast, and on this one, let's move it forward and get to know Karis Levert just a little bit more. But before we do that with Nets game analyst Sarah Kustak, I just want to remind you about my written work, and you can read it at fieldhousefiles.com. There, most stories are behind a paywall, but I promise you it is worth your dollar. Just $5 a month, or the better deal, obviously, is $50 for a year, and that's all, honestly what most people have ended up doing, which I appreciate it because it tells me they're not just there for a story or for a week. They're there for the long haul, and they know what kind of work I produce, and so they make that full-term commitment. So you can do that, and also make sure you smash the subscribe button for this podcast on whichever audio player you prefer, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music. Make sure you support us, and we can continue to churn out great interviews for you. And I already have the next four recorded. You're really going to like them, plus I have another special one planned as well. Like Karis LeVert, Sarah Kustak is a Midwesterner. She's from the Chicago area, attended DePaul University where she played basketball, then stayed around in the area and covered Chicago pro sports teams, even coached a little bit as an assistant at DePaul. But then New York came calling, and one of the best local broadcasts is the Yes Network. It's led by the great Ian Eagle. I don't think he's underrated anymore. I think everybody now appreciates his greatness and how much fun he is on the air, his energy and his passion and his knowledge for whatever sport he is calling. Anyway, it's a great trio. And the third person on their broadcast team is Michael Grady, because when Sarah Kustak was promoted from pregame host, sideline reporter to game analyst, full-time game analyst, Michael Grady was hired. And of course, you know him from here in Indianapolis, sports talk host and the former Pacers public address announcer. I think the world of Sarah Kustak in that trio, it's one of the great broadcasts, and I'm glad they're finally having some good basketball because there were some, as she put it, lean years where they were not very good. They were rebuilding. They were retooling. Sean Marks, the GM, has gotten that place under control. They have a new head coach in Steve Nash, and now they have a big three with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. But once the trade was agreed upon, the first call I had to make was to Sarah to better understand the player and the person the Pacers were getting. But I should note this interview was done the day before the Pacers had announced that they had seen a small mass on Karis LeVert's left kidney, and therefore Sarah and I did not get into it. All right, as promised, I now welcome in Sarah Kustak. She's the game analyst on the Yes Network, and I'd say this even if she wasn't on the line right now with me. 
That broadcast with Yes Network's the best local TV broadcast in the NBA with Ian Eagle, with Ryan Rucco occasionally, with MG. And Sarah, I appreciate you taking the time. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we appreciate we appreciate most out of our broadcast crew these days, Michael Grady. So um, <laughs> I, I know there's a lot. I know there's a lot of love for him in Indy, uh, but but we're certainly have, happy to have him be a part of our family. Yeah, for those that don't know, when you got promoted and became the game analyst full time, MG took your spot, and so now unfortunately you have to be paired with him and probably around him every single day. <laughs> He is the best. He is the best. No, it definitely is. No doubt about that. Well, you, you've been kept busy, certainly just with the NBA season back, but specifically with this blockbuster trade that, that occurred this week, bringing James Harden, another superstar, up to the Nets. Just, I guess that part has been finalized. The Pacers part has not. But what was your first reaction after the Nets gave up a lot, but at the same time it's a star-driven league and that's your only chance to win it? Yeah, I, I think you said it there. Um, and I know there's a lot of mixed emotions that come into it when you're losing players that have been such an integral part of the foundation that has built the Brooklyn Nets organization to where it is today. Um, so that is one side of it, of course, how many people just genuinely will miss, um, in particular, Karis LeVert and Jared Allen for the time they were there and the short time that Torian Prince and Brody Kurutz were members of the team. Um, so that is that's one aspect, but on the flip side of things, I, I think that's not always so often that you have an opportunity um, to get the superstar talent uh, of someone like James Harden, uh, one of the great scorers of our league right now, and, and pairing him alongside with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And this Brooklyn Nets organization has made it clear top to bottom, whether it's been from Sean Marks at certain points, Steve Nash, the players, their intentions are to compete for a title. Uh, and this move made it very clear that they are in win-now mode. And sometimes the cost of that is, you know, having to make sure that you take some calculated risks. And whether that is draft picks in the future and how that looks for the Nets in the next couple of years, or players that you appreciate and love dearly, that's all a part of it, um, you know, in this business and in this league. Uh, however, I know those on the side of the Nets just very excited and a great amount of anticipation uh, for what this team and what these players will look like when they can finally take the floor together. And there's so much interesting things going on with the Nets. Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, kind of an all-star coaching staff. And selfishly, I'm excited for, for all of you at the Yes Network, too, because there were so many horrible years where you had to put together an outstanding product and now you guys will be the channel and the team to watch when not on national TV as well. So a lot of interesting <laughs> developments. I think it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. There, there have been um, some, certainly some lean years, and it really is. It's, uh, it's interesting the way that all works. So we, we appreciate that, uh, Scott, Brandon, just broadcast. And I know in terms of calling games and it just the talent that you get to see, uh, it's really eye-opening when a lot of the players you're accustomed to watching on League Pass or watching – different games or breaking down the film as an opponent you have you know the great pleasure of getting to call and see their games each and every night there's so much different with our jobs right watching practice we're missing out on time in the (laughs) locker room for you I know you mentioned in a video recently but production meetings are everything and where you have some of the most fun now that we are able to attend games but what are you missing the most um gosh the list is endless and I don't I don't want to keep you forever I do think you know 
at the bottom line of it all, it is that human connection. I mean, just think about the fact that, oh, the, the Nets are at the Pacers. It's got to get to see you in the press room and get to chat and catch up with so many people that you, you know, you care about and you enjoy talking to, chatting with, that you sometimes only get those snippets of opportunities when, whether you're on the road or at home or however that works out, those of which, you know, we work with and we're accustomed to being around in, mm-hmm. in different capacities now, there is really such a level um, due to the precaution and due to protocols of isolation. So I think it, it the heart of it, you miss that. And I also think that translates just into your relationships and connection with players and with the team and coaching staff that includes the opponents and those on the road that you become familiar with and get to kind of pick their brains in different moments or get an opportunity, you know, to learn more and gain more insight. But in particular, I've noticed it most just with our own broadcast um, and the Brooklyn Nets team, we're normally traveling with them and on the plane and around hotels and, it, it, you know, sitting in practices, sitting in shoot around, uh, really getting an opportunity to absorb what's happening, the coaching, the teaching, the training camps that you pick up so much about the team. And then also those side conversations uh, that I think only enhance how you're be able to educate or inform the audience. Um, you just miss so much of that at this point. And, you know, I know we're all doing our best in different capacities of, of how we're still doing our jobs, but I do think there's just so much that uh, was allowed us to, to really deliver a product that helped the fans get the best understanding of the team and the ins and outs of it that right now it's, it's tough to do or we're missing those chances. Yeah, the line I keep going back to is we're making the best out of a, a just a, a bad situation, right? And it's weird. You bring up even the you know media friends around the league, and there is something on our end, something comforting, even about the Zoom calls. Like I'll see reporters yeah. nationally join in on the call, and I'm like, wow, oh, I haven't seen you. I would have seen you at Summer League or things like that. That, of course, was thrown away by the wayside. So that was unfortunate. You talk about being around, being at practice. And seeing guys from the very beginning, a guy like Karis LeVert, who was technically drafted by the Pacers, but really the Brooklyn Nets back in 2016, he's involved in this trade just before the basketball guy. What type of human, what type of guy is Karis LeVert that you've seen over the last four and a half years? Oh, Scott, how much time do we have? How much time? Well, that's a good sign. Good. We like guys like that. Uh Indiana Pacers faithful, like get ready to fall in love with this kid because he is an individual who I cannot even begin to begin to express how much respect I have for him as a human being and just the individual he is, uh, what a professional he has been from the moment that he stepped into Brooklyn and into the organization, uh, just how he treats everyone. Of course, you appreciate how he, he treats us as a media, but teammates, coaching staff, performance team, it, it goes down the list of how much everyone just loved him because uh, he really is just such a sincere, genuine-hearted person. And add that into the fact that he's one of the hardest workers that I've seen. And I know that's something that you assume when guys get to this level, that is an aspect of their character, Um, but he is an absolute grinder. He has faced challenges throughout the course of his life. He has faced injuries that he's overcome and he has such a steady composure, resilience, uh, inner confidence 
And in doing so is just so humble. Um, and so it, it's what we saw in Brooklyn, which um, he had moments and flashes. Is you look at the numbers or, or look at different performances, whether it was some of those playoff moments, stretches that he was just brilliant on the floor. I don't even think he scratched the surface <laughs> of the player that he's going to become because each year we saw different elements to his game that he added. Um, as I alluded to different courses of the season, once he caught a rhythm, uh, he just really is someone who has expanded his game. He's grown more consistent. Um, and he, he's just a really, really special individual. And, and that includes on the court, but in particular off the court. From afar, his personality, kind of mild-mannered, quiet, but opens yep. up when you interviewed him like you did. I saw a video of Media Day last year, for example. What are those? I miss those, first of all. Uh, <laughs> secondly, it kind of reminds right. me of, of Victor Oladipo, of Malcolm Brogdon, a George Hill personality-wise. Quiet, mild-mannered. But then on the court, that's intriguing to me that you mentioned he's just scratching the surface because a lot about this deal kind of reminded me of Victor Oladipo three years ago when he was trying to figure out his role, what he could ascend to in this. And then, of course, that year he became the most improved player. So from a basketball standpoint, how would you describe his game? So when I look at Karras's game, and I think that's a great comparison, um, there has been different points when he's been asked to play different roles. Um, and in some cases, early on, it was coming off the bench most recently in this season, just given the way they felt like everyone was utilizing their strengths when um, both Kevin and, and Kyrie on the floor, Karras has been coming off the bench. Uh, that was the plan for the most part. And a big part of that was due to the fact of he, he plays so well with the ball in his hands. Um, and he is a playmaker. He can create his own shots. Um, he's got an explosiveness and a quickness to his game and a shiftiness of how he can get to his spots on the floor. And because of that, and you'll see the, the quick bursts, I think where he's developed is just his understanding of change of speed um, and how he utilizes and to manipulate and play with defenses that speed. I, I think where you've seen um, some points where, you know, he's, he's putting on monster numbers um, and then other games where he's consistently solid, so much of it just has to do with his efficiency on the floor. And I think where he's jumped each year or in different stretches has been his ability to finish around the basket, finish through contact, um, maintain that because he's got such a quick twitch getting to where he wants to go, just having his legs under him, composure to make decisions in traffic around the basket uh, when he's looking to pass and facilitate that aspect of his game. He's grown and I think can improve even more. And really the three-point shooting is what changes the dynamic of, of how he can attack on the floor. And he's had stretches where he, he's shooting in the 40s, uh, you know, 45% from the three-point line. And then he has times that he struggles. And I think for him, that's all. A, that's where I think you'll see him start to take another step to the game because of the way he works on it, um, how he, whether it was, you know, catch and shoot three-point shots, shots off pick and rolls, um, that type of stuff, just getting that to a place where he's consistently knocking down those shots and defenses have to respect him in the same manner from the outside as they do with his penetration aspect. I think that's where you see him take a whole nother jump. Cause those are the nights where we experience him putting, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 30 points, 40 points, uh, you know, his 50 point nights, like uh, that's the type of stuff where I think we saw flashes of it. Um, and when he has an opportunity, he'll grow there. And I think too, on the defensive end, um, he's someone who can guard multiple positions, really active hands, great instincts, 
years. Um, and for all of those reasons combined, he's just he's such a coachable uh, young man, and he buys into a system. Uh, the unselfishness he brings, I just I, I really find him to be such a great fit anywhere. But looking at the Pacers, Pacers roster and the team, and, and um, just where he could fit in. I really am excited for him uh, with this opportunity and excited for, for Indiana in general. It's a hell of a thorough scouting report. I think Pacer fans are going to really uh, appreciate appreciate it. That's exactly <laughs> we, what I'm we wanting here. Going. We can keep going. He really, because he, he really is someone who, as I said, he's, he's had big moments. I think when you look throughout the course of his young career, um, you know, it, there's just a lot more to it that he's worked to refine his game. Um, and you know that he's going to put in the work. You're crushing it as an analyst, but that had me thinking. Have you ever given coaching a thought? Is that something you'd ever want to consider? Oh, that's such a great question. Uh, I have. It's crossed my, it's crossed okay. my mind in many different occasions. Um, however, I'm thoroughly enjoying uh, what I'm doing now. Uh, and, yeah, and at this time, and, and thank you for your kind words. I still think, you know, for me, just growing, developing, uh, trying to be challenged and improve in the role I am now has, has been my focus. So you never know. Scott. I, gotcha. I, I don't know. We we don't know what tomorrow brings. Uh, so, but you never know. But it has. It's uh, that is something that in different times has uh, has perked my interest. Gotcha. Was just curious. Now going back to to Karis, Pacers have been playing every other day but I did go back and watch much of the when he scored 43 points on Memphis and again what most stood out to me about what he did offensively was how much of it was off the dribble how much of it was attacking and in the mid-range he's not it didn't come across not that he's not that spot up he's gonna wait and then I looked at the stats too I didn't realize this his usage rate is almost you know 29 and a half percent way above any pacer right now so he's clearly a guy that that needs the ball in his hands will create and can do a lot of different things with the ball. Yeah, it, it 100%. And that's that's where I think, um, depending on how he fits or where you're going to use him, I think mm-hmm. that's an aspect of the development of his game, um, playing off the ball and working out, you know, being as effective as he is with the ball in his hands and how he can play make uh, for himself, for others, also utilizing him off the ball. And I think that's where when he gets more consistent with his three-point shots, um, when he's got a slash ability, he's got a good feel. Um, I, that's where I think those areas, if he is able to bolster that uh, and find a consistency there to match with yeah. what he can do with the ball in his hands, that's where I think you'll, you'll see a whole different level of a player than even he was in Brooklyn. I think a lot of the first reaction was just the health thought about all this. And the same is true probably now for Victor for the rest of his career. But with Karras, he had a thumb, a knee injury, a foot injury. What was his status going into the year? Was that a big topic of concern um, or something that no. you were hitting on on the Yes Network? Yeah, that's and that's a great that's a great question. I think we often look at that with players, and it really wasn't at all because he, you know, coming in, uh, coming into the league, he he didn't play for the first half of his rookie year um, because he was coming off that foot injury that he had while he was playing at Michigan. And, you know, he, he suffered the thumb injury, the other, uh, the foot injury or ankle injury, I'm trying to remember, that looked gruesome and actually just ended up being a dislocation um, 
that he suffered where he was out a significant amount of time. That was kind of just a freak accident uh, playing in Minnesota and, and how he landed. So, you know, I think it's always a factor for players. And I think we always kind of red flag guys when they've suffered a, a decent amount of injuries. However, he takes care of his body. He puts in the work. Um, he was so diligent uh, in, with, you know, whatever he was doing in terms of his training or um, just making sure that the conditioning of his body was in the right place. And, and that's where I talked about just, you know, so much of his work ethic was evident in some of those cases when he was returning from injury. And I think that's where there was a disjointedness sometimes when he was finding a rhythm or catching a rhythm throughout the course of the season, because he, you know, starts the season looking like an all-star that suffers an injury and uh, out for eight weeks, out for 10 weeks, and then coming back. So I, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where he's not someone that the Nets treated, nor I would peg him as a injury prone. We need mm-hmm. to be very cautious, cautious in how you go about it. Uh, however, I think with any player and with this league, there is that element of, you know, best ability is availability and it's an aspect of it. However, I think, you know, heading into the season and the minutes he was playing and how he was playing, um, that was not something that was top of mind, I think, for anyone. How about him on the defensive side? We talk about outgoing Victor Oladipo's flying around defensively, can get steals, can really capitalize in transition. Where is Karras on that side of the ball and what type of guys is does he do well against defensively yeah I think he I mean where Karras thrives and that's where I I would say he brings you know such a positive to that side of the ball just is his activity um quick feet staying in front of players I always thought he was also really good off the ball because of his instincts and the passing lanes um he brings a great length you know a six 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 seven um but with his arms and with that type of quick high and high coordination. We saw a lot of, a lot of steals, a lot of digs, a lot of strips and stuff that I think he just had a good feel for what was needed at that end. And I also think that he's someone too, that his strength and physicality was growing throughout the course of the year. So, you know, most of who he was guarding were one, two, three players, um, but you could put him on anyone in terms of, you know, in the backcourt. And so, I think that end um, is a big strength for him. And I also think from him, there's a buy-in to that end of the floor. And sometimes with players, it's, you know, it's, it's of course <laughs> yep. partially their, their skill set and their talents. And part of it is what type of effort are they giving on that end? And without a doubt, I would say from Karis, that that was always a plus um, when it came to that side of the ball. Yeah, being unselfish and being willing to do the little things like that are huge. And now he'll just have to adapt going to a new franchise for the first time in his professional career and sharing a backcourt um, with Malcolm Brogdon. Last thing, Sarah, anything outside of basketball you know about? We know with other players, whether it's um, music or you know video games or anything like that, anything you can share about Karras off the court and his interests? Gosh, I wish I had good stuff. I know, okay. I know he's, you know, everyone these days. I feel like uh, in in the league is a little bit into fashion or or digs, you know, what what they're showing up to the games with or things like that. So, <laughs> you put a camera um, there, and I they're gonna many, they're gonna use many that. of our players have praised him for uh, for his fashion sense. Gotcha. However. Um, yeah, but uh, but no, he's just he's just a really really good individual. I think so much of his focus has always been low key and just how much he cares about basketball and the priority that that is. 
Um, and because of that, I think a lot of what he, he does is just based off of where's the gym, where's the practice facility, uh, get into the arena, things like that. So, um, yeah, he just, he's really a, a pleasure and I'm excited for what he can, what he can bring to this Pacers team. Also, you know, grew up in, in Detroit and, um, went to Michigan, um, yeah, Midwest so I kid. Think. So. Maybe didn't grow up. He was yeah, in Ohio. Midwest. Ohio, maybe? Yep. I take that back. Now yeah. I should. I think he's from Ohio. But Midwest Midwest is in his blood. <laughs> so I also think that's a good thing just in terms of his adaptability. Um, and I'm sure we'll be excited when he can get to Indy. Yeah, it sounds like he'll fit right in. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for the time. We'll be watching on the Yes Network. Thank you. Appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for having me.